It's a bit of a privilege uh, speaking this morning at Father's Day. Usually I get Grandparents' Day now at most places when I'm preaching, so uh, Father's Day is making me feel young again. <laughs> I can't remember what it was like uh, in the old days, but I was looking after the grandkids this morning, so I just want to point that out. I still have some experience in the area. Uh, because uh, Mother's Day and Father's Day and Grandparents' Day these days are all on Sundays, uh, it's a bit hard for preachers because we get a lot of sermons on family and all the rest and it's kind of a bit hard getting a unique take on it, you know. So I thought, what could I do this morning? And my favourite uh, gospel, uh, stories of Jesus written in the four gospels, my favourite one is Luke uh, because it happens to be particularly targeted uh, about women and about the disadvantaged. And so I love the, the book of Luke. So what I thought is that Luke will have a really sympathetic take on family. And so I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach on family uh, from the book of Luke and Jesus and his family and, and all the rest. I thought that would be a really great way to go. So I started to do some research. And, and it started off pretty well because uh, uh, Mary is, knows she's, she's pregnant. She knows she's going to have Jesus. And uh, she sings this wonderful song. And, and then the baby's born and she treasures everything in her heart. So it really starts on this beautiful family feel. And then, and then uh, they take Jesus to be dedicated at the temple as we dedicate babies here. So they dedicated them in those days. And, and that's quite a nice little service. But at the end, uh, the, the, the priest says, um, and he's going to pierce your heart. You're going to have a lot of pain because of this boy. I thought that's something we don't usually mention at our dedication services, you know. Wonderful blessing this child is and he's going to be real, real, cause you a lot of pain in the end. So it's sort of deteriorating a little bit now. And, uh, and then the next, next uh, family thing in the book of Luke is uh, uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, mother and father of Jesus, take him and when he's 12 uh, to Jerusalem to the Passover feast. Like this is his first big experience of of the big parties they had and all the rest. And so they go with Jesus and, and they head home and unbeknownst to them, uh, there must have been a big crowd of them, Jesus stayed in Jerusalem. And uh, it took them three days to find him. So you can imagine what these parents were like, three days. And eventually they find him and he's in the temple debating and that with the priests and all the rest, this little 12-year-old boy. And, uh, and Mary's comment, I thought, was fairly typical motherish. Uh, this is what Mary says. Um, why have you treated us like this? <laughs> That's what, he, what she says to Jesus. Like, what on earth? We've been panic-stricken for three days looking for you. Why, why have you done this to us? And uh, Jesus said, well, you should have known I've got to be about my father's business. You should have known where to look for me. And I thought, well, that's not going to be very good in a sermon, you know, Jesus giving his parents some lips. So I thought, well, I, I better move on from there. And the next time family turns up is in Luke chapter 8. And uh, Jesus by now is 30 plus and he's in ministry and, he's, uh, and has lots of followers and all the rest. And the family are a bit concerned about him. They kind of think that he's probably stepped out too far. Maybe some of the stuff is a little bit on the edge, you know. So they come and to, to visit Jesus. And, uh, and when they turn up, uh, Jesus' friends and disciples will say, hey, look, your family's outside. And Jesus turns to them and says, What? You are my family, not those people. You are my family now. And I thought, well, that's going to be hard to preach. <laughs> and then in Luke 14, uh, Jesus is teaching about the cost of being a follower of his. And this is what he says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate 
father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, such a person cannot be my disciple. I realised I had a problem here. <laughs> a sermon on Jesus and family from Luke is uh, not going to be all that politically correct. <laughs> and so I thought, well, am I missing something here? Like, this is unusual. This is not what I expected when it comes to Jesus and family and, and particularly in the Gospel of Luke. I thought, what am I missing? And I thought, maybe it's I don't understand what family was like back in Jesus' day. Uh, this is often a problem we have with the Bible. Do you know what I mean? We take our present context and place it back 2,000 years ago on what happened in, in biblical times. And it, sometimes it doesn't matter because things are the same, people are the same, but other times it does matter. And family's quite difficult, different uh, back then. So I, I did a bit of research about families back in Jesus' day, and these are the three things that, that I found. Uh, families were younger, families were stronger, and families were smarter. All right, Let me just quickly explain these things uh, uh, to you. Families were younger. The average laid, uh, life expectancy is a bit unknown, but it was probably about between 20 and 35. That was the average length of time someone lived. Now, of course, a lot of people would have died young, so that would have brought the average down. But it meant that there weren't a lot of older people around the place. Uh, families were, were younger. People grew up more quickly. Uh, and so when we think of a 12-year-old Jesus, we think of, you know, the kids that went out this morning. But a 12-year-old Jesus... Uh, was probably in his trade, he was working away, had a degree of, of independence. Uh, so he was probably more like equivalent to an 18-year-old today. So families were younger. Families were stronger. Uh, people lived in extended families. Uh, and so you got most of your support, not from the government, uh, but from your family. Uh, you learned lots of things in your family. You... Uh, and as people got older in families, then the, their family was their only means of support. There was no government pension or anything like that. So if you didn't have the family to help you, you were in major, major, had major problems. So families were a lot stronger. I mean, families are strong today, but they were much, much stronger. And your family responsibilities and commitments were, were very, very important. Uh, the other thing I found that families were smarter back in those days. Now, you might say, well, that's a bit strange. But the fact is, in a culture that never really changes, uh, who are the smartest people? It's the older people, isn't it? Because they've lived the longest. They've experienced the most. Uh, and so, in families, you learned from within your family. So if you want to know about farming and what to do, then your father or your grandfather, if, if he was still around, would be the one to teach you because he would know the most. And so within families, these days, of course, in a rapidly changing culture, it's very different. You know, the experts are not within the family. They're oldies. Do you know what I mean? They don't understand technology and all the rest. It's the, you know, it's, it's the experts or it's the influencers or whoever it might be. They're the ones uh, that know the most. Uh, so you don't, these days, children often don't look for wisdom or direction from within their families. They look from, from online or they look at maybe from their teachers or whatever it might be. Whereas back in those days, families was the core of where you got your information from. So in that way, families were smarter. Does that make sense? All right, so that's the difference, some of the differences that, that I found. So with those differences, what I thought I'd do is try and give you a bit of a take on what the Bible does say about family life. I'm not just restricting it to Luke. I'm going a bit broader than that. And I've picked, there's a lot of things that you would already know and really would already understand, but I picked three things 
that I think are a little bit surprising that the Bible says uh, about families. So if you're in a family, uh, then this might be quite applicable to you. Uh, if you're bringing kids up or grandkids up to a degree, uh, these things might be helpful for you as well. Okay, so there's three things uh, that I want to suggest the Bible says about families that are a little bit surprising in some ways. All right, the first one is this. Love God more than your family. This is the most important biblical principle I can offer you about family life. Family is a part of our a love hierarchy, in a sense, in the Bible, all right? So you, you love, if you can, you love your job, uh, and then above that you love your friends, and, uh, and above that you love your family, and then above that you love God. God is the most significant person to, to love. That's why when Jesus talked about, if you want to be my disciple, then you've got to hate family. He wasn't really talking about hating them. He was just saying... Loving God is so much even more important than, than loving your family. Now, this doesn't make sense to us generally, does it? I, I, I can understand that, that why people say, no, family is the most important thing when it comes uh, to love. Because like, if, if this life is all we have, right? Like we've got 80 years or 90 years or 70 years, whatever it might be. But if this life is all that we have then surely family must be the most important thing we have. I noticed my dad, uh, he's passed away now, uh, but uh, my dad was a very effective businessman, did very well in business, uh, retired early. But once he retired, what I noticed was he didn't really go back about what he achieved in business much at all. <laughs> family became more and more important to him as he grew older. And I understand that. Family relationships are key. And if, if this is all that we have, like if this life is all that we've got, then, then family is absolutely foundational to everything that we, that we do. I think there's been a shift in Aussie uh, culture in a way, and certainly from when I was even growing up, or even when I was fathering to a degree, and that is that we are much more committed to our children than we have been in the past. And, uh, and I think that's great, that's wonderful, that's essential, right? It is important that we're committed to our families, that we serve our families. And I think fathers particularly are doing a lot more for their families than they did you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And that's a great thing. Uh, we're living, uh, in, when we're in Brisbane, we live with Alex and Cass uh, in, a, in a granny flat, you know. And I realise that family is very important, you know, that how I love my family now will have repercussions for me as I get older. I mean, I tell them that quite often. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the case. And if, if you believe that, that this life is all that there is, uh, that when you're dead, you're dead and it's all finished, then certainly make family your biggest priority. Make it the most important thing uh, that you have in your life. Love your family most. But if this life is only actually a drop in the bucket of something much, much bigger, something that goes on forever and ever, then that puts family in a slightly different perspective. It is important. It is key. God's given us our families for, for a period of time and we need to invest and love and serve and all of those things are important. But 
If this 80 years is only something compared to thousands and thousands and thousands of years that we're going to be living with our family, <laughs> our bigger family, then it changes the perspective somewhat. Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians 4.18, calls his life uh, temporary. <laughs> and, and clearly, if this is true, if this life is temporary, if it's just a short part of something much, much bigger that God wants for us, then, then my relationship with God is going to be so much more important <laughs> than anything that I can do with my family. Because that's the thing that determines forever. This is what it's going to be like forever. I'm going to be living with, with God and with my big family and uh, growing and learning and doing all these things forever and ever and ever. And, uh, and this family now, my precious family now is important, but it's not the biggest thing uh, in my life. This uh, big perspective on life has many important ramifications for us. Um, it makes singleness okay. Uh, some people are single because they choose to be single, but many of us are single because of circumstances in life. We've never married or we're divorced or whatever it might mean. And, and if family is all that there is, then uh, that's, it's, it's a tough life then, isn't it? But if this is only a small part of something much, much bigger, then it puts it in perspective. Some of us are living in very difficult family situations. And again, the, the big picture of life puts that in perspective too. It is tough. It is hard. It's not what God uh, would like for you. Uh, but it's reality. But it's only for a period of time. But the biggest thing of all is that it just means that, that loving God and building our relationship with God is more important than anything that we could do. I, we've tried to practice that in our family. We've tried to show our kids that we love them desperately <laughs> you know deeply we committed to them we'll do things lots and lots of things for them but but loving god is more important for us <laughs> than loving our family and serving god is more important for us than serving our family now often serving god means serving our family i realize that um, but our kids have seen that that we love god most of all so that's the first thing that might be a little bit surprising Love God more, even more than family. If this life's all there is, if this is the way you see life, then invest in your family. It's the most important thing you can do. But if there's much, much bigger than that, if there is an eternal life that we will be living in relationship with God and each other forever, then let's love God most <laughs> of all. All right, that's the first one. We're halfway through the sermon, all right? That's good news. The second part is, uh, the second one is uh, focus up not just down. Uh, family life in our culture very much centres around the needs of children. Um, so the role of families is what? Is to support uh, and grow our, our children. So when, we're, when they're young, we try to make them secure. We try to help them with life. We try to give them good experiences in life. Uh, as they get older, we continue to do the same sorts of things except in a different way we help them get established in their career or in a home or assist them with babysitting or whatever it might be uh, family life is mainly focused downward you know what is what are we about as families we're about serving our children and our and and our grandchildren uh, recently i was on a, a car trip with a mate of mine and uh he's just a year or two older than me and he's retired and he's very much into playing the share market 
And he enjoys that. I can't see much fun in that. A lot of worry, but not much fun. But he loves it. Do you know what I mean? But he says, you know why I'm doing this, John? He said, I want to make sure that my grandchildren will have a house deposit. Now, that's incredible, isn't it? Right? He's working at shares because he wants to provide for his grandchildren. I'm busy spending my money, you know, but he's... <laughs> He wants to provide for... Now, this is... It might be an extreme, but this is the way uh, we see family. It's downward. We who are older are trying to support and to help those that are are younger in our family. We're focused downwards. Surprisingly, that is not the focus of the Bible. (laughs) Now, it says that's important, of course. We've got to love and serve our, our kids and all the rest. But let me give you an example. Take the ten biggies, all right, the Ten Commandments. In the middle of the Ten Commandments is a commandment about families, right? Now, this is right. This is the heart of families. This is what it's about. This is what we're to do in our families. What's that command say? Let's go to the next slide. Honour thy father and mother. They paid a lot for your first piano lessons. (laughs) Well, it doesn't quite end like that, but... But do you see, this is the big command about families. And what are we to do? Honour our parents. It's, the Bible's focused more up <laughs> than, than down. And that's not just the Old Testament. Uh, in Ephesians 6, uh, Paul takes up the same thing. Uh, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. In other words... Focus up, honour your parents, grandparents even. <laughs> honour them, you know, because your life will go really well if, that's, if you do those things. Now, I have to acknowledge I have a conflict of interest here, all right. I'm one of the up ones, you know, like <laughs> I don't have mum and dad around anymore, so I'm right at the top of the chain now, right? I'm the furthest up in my family that you can get. So I've got a conflict of interest when I say focus up, not just down, <laughs> I realise that. But I think this, and, and I do think that this biblical upward focus is partly to do with the cultural situation. You know? So as I said before, families, older people in families were very dependent on, on their family to look after them. I'm 69 now and honestly I don't really need much from my family even yet. <laughs> Now, I've told them it's, it's lying ahead, right? There will come a time when they will be changing my nappy. Oh, no, that sounds awful, doesn't it? You know, whatever it might be. <laughs> but uh, so there are, you know, that does lie ahead. But at the moment, I don't really need them much at all. I can give a lot more uh, than, than I can receive. And, but in, in biblical times, that was not so much the case. Someone of my age would be very much dependent, if they were still alive, would be very much uh, dependent on, on family. So there was a bit of, you can see that in, in biblical times. But I think it's more than that. I think what God's trying to do is, is develop, a, in our society, develop a culture of honour and respect. And that needs to come if the society is going to live that way it needs to flow from our families so if we have no honor and respect uh, uh, in our families then that's going to impact uh, the whole of their community the way we live our lives and God is wanting to build this this culture of honor among us and family is such a major building block for society and uh, so 
biblical perspective is, yeah, focus down. Of course, that's wonderful, and we need to be, and, and we need to be caring for our kids and protecting our kids and serving our kids and, and all of those things. All of those things are important, but, but we do also need to focus up. Uh, both by honouring our own parents or grandparents or whatever it might be, setting the example in that way. And I know some of you have been damaged by fathers and, and all the rest, and I know there's all sorts of issues and problems associated with that. Uh, but that's why Father's Day is good. It does give us a chance to, to honour our fathers and for, for what they are contributing and what they are doing. Uh, we also honour our uh, focus up by... Uh, disciplining our children, uh, teaching them uh, that they will uh, obey and that they will respect people. My feeling is that uh, in our culture that our parents are actually doing far too much for their kids. I'm sure you've heard of the term helicopter parenting, you know, like <laughs> making sure that our kids are right all the time. Uh, I heard, you've probably heard it, I've never heard it, but lawn mowing parenting you know what I mean? Where you go in front of them, you make sure it's all nice and smooth and wonderful, you know, so they can just walk along and have a, have a nice, easy, uh, lovely life. And, and that sounds really nice. In many ways, that is wonderful. But, and it's generous, but it's just not God's best way, just completely focusing down. Uh, Honour your parents. That's God's big call for families. And the spin-off is that as we do that, our family benefits, our culture benefits, our society benefits, all of those things happen when we develop a culture of honour. All right, so that's the second one. I, meet, I have got the stake in this, all right? <laughs> uh, but focus, focus down by all means, but don't just focus down. Focus up as well. All right, that's the second one. The third one, uh, surprising thing, to a degree anyway, this is less surprising probably, uh, is to impress your children or... Actually, it doesn't say impress your children. It says impress on your children. Uh, this comes out of the Old Testament and uh, the, the nation of Israel uh, was about to... They'd come out of Egypt. They'd been slaves there and all the rest and they were about to move into uh, the new land that God was going to provide for them. It was a land of great opportunity. Uh, but this is a brand new season for them, a brand new step for the, for the nation of Israel. And so Moses, uh, who'd led them um, out of Egypt, all the rest, uh, and 40 years in the, in the desert, uh, Moses got them together and went through the Ten Commandments again with them uh, and said, because he knew that once they got into this new land, uh, there's going to be a lot of temptations and a lot of difficulties, you know, and a, a lot of challenges for them. And, and if they don't get down to their foundations, if they don't hold on to those, they're going to be a lost people. And so he gets the Ten Commandments and uh, he goes through them again uh, with, with the people. Uh, but the question is going to be, how, is, how are they going to maintain this? How are they going to keep this going in their society? How are they going to grow a society that follows God and serves God? And uh, so this is what he says. These, this is Deuteronomy 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Impress these things on your children. Now this was a society where, where the whole of culture supported what the parents believed, right? That was a Jewish culture, 
Israelite culture back in those days, right? And so their, their education would support that, their religious life would support that. So everything would have been supported. And yet Moses is saying, but your parents, you've got to do it with your kids. You've got to impress your kids, uh, impress these things on your kids. Teaching uh, your values and your directions in life. Uh, we, we need to be protective of our kids, and that's certainly true, but we also need to be positive on what we're doing so that we teach them what it's like to, to live with our values and our direction and our relationship with God. We need to teach them that. I, uh, I grew up in a church uh, that was fairly separatist from society. Do you know what I mean? We're quite legalistic and uh, wonderful church, beautiful people, uh, but fairly separate. And so when, it, when I'd finished high school, I was planning to go to university. And there was quite some concern in my church about people going to university because, you know, university exposes you to pagan teaching, you know, and you might go all off, off the rails. And some people did. Some Christians did. Young Christians growing up in the church went to university and lost their faith. And so there was a bit of a pressure on my parents, don't send John to university, you know. <laughs> Seems so long ago now, but you know, you've got to be careful about these things. The fact is, I did go to university, and I had a wonderful time at university. It was a tremendous opportunity to explore new things, to debate with people about Christian faith and, and all the rest. And the reason was because my church and my family had actually done a wonderful job. <laughs> They had impressed their values on me. I knew what I believed. I understood what it was about. I'd seen it in people's lives. And, and so I had a fantastic time there because I'd already established my values and what was, in, what was important uh, to me and in my life. These values are both caught and taught. Partly these values are caught by our children. Uh, they, they just catch them from us. I mean, your kids know what you value. They know what's important to you. They, you can't, they, no matter how you might try to hide that or, or try to show it, they know, like they've seen you. They know what family life is, is like. I'm still finding secrets about my family and what I was like as a dad even now as my kids tell me about those things. You know, they, they've saw it all. They know, they know what it's like. And so they catch things. Uh, that's why the churches... Are, I was talking to a couple the other night um, and just congratulate They've come to this church. They've got two uh, kids, um, teenage, older teenagers, or early 20s. And I was just... They're beautiful, beautiful kids. And I was just congratulating them on, on you know, having growing such wonderful children that have followed Jesus and are just a, a precious, beautiful people. And, uh, and they said, well... They said... I mean, partly it's the grace of God, of course, you know, but they said, actually, it takes a village to raise a child, you know. It's the church has been wonderful, you know. It's not just been us. It's been so many people in our church that have, have influenced. And so, of course, this is wider than just family. We, we, do, we can contribute that to each other. There's kids, there's people out there teaching Sunday school this morning, do you know what I mean, that are influencing our kids, and that's really important. That's why I worry, I, I do worry about the future of what it's going to be like when when so many families are only like once every four weeks or once every six weeks or something at church, you know. And I know that doesn't necessarily affect the faith of their kids, but it lessens the opportunity for their children to be influenced 
and by this wider family. So it's caught, right? Caught within our families, caught in the wider thing. But it also needs to be taught. Impress these things on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We need to teach those values. This is my paraphrase of Moses. Talk about these things when you're sitting around at home, when you're driving in the car, when you put them to bed, when they wake you up in the morning. Uh, I was, this is six months ago or so, I was fasting one day and uh, we happened to have a family meal on in our household, which is Alex and Cass and their kids and Deb and myself. And so I was just sitting there trying not to draw attention to the fact that I was fasting and not eating. Uh, but Avaya, who's eight or so, uh, she saw me and she said, uh, Grandpa, you're not eating. What, what, why aren't you eating? And so I said, well, I'm fasting. She said, well, what's fasting? <laughs> So I explained, you know, that it's when you go without something that you would normally take for granted and uh, uh, because you want to uh, dedicate yourself to God for some a period of time or because you want to pray for something and particularly focus on it and so you give up something that you would like. And I said, I'm, cause I'm not eating today uh, because I'm fasting. Oh, she said, I'd like to fast too. <laughs> I said, well, are you sure? You know, I said, well, what, what would you fast from? Well, she said, oh, well, I'll fast from screens tomorrow. And I said, oh, all right, okay, well, that, that would be lovely. You can fast from screens tomorrow and you can pray uh, as, as you do that. Well, she said, that would be good. So the next day I walked into the lounge room and there was the family sitting around watching TV and Avaya was sitting there. And I said, oh, Avaya, I thought you were fasting from screens today. She said, I'm averting my eyes. <laughs> but that's what, we're talk that's what Moses is talking about. That's what we're talking about here. Like just taking the opportunities as we live our lives just to talk about the things that are going on in our lives that are, that are real uh, for us. Well, that's probably enough <laughs> for today. Uh, I don't know what part is particularly important for you. Uh, certainly the first point about loving God more than you love your family, that's absolutely foundational. And if that's not true of you, uh, either because you don't understand that life's gone on for a lot longer than what we live here, <laughs> or just because it's not real real for you at the moment, then that's probably the area to, to work on because it'll be very hard for your kids to grow up following Jesus if, there's not, if they're not seeing it in your life. Maybe it's focusing up a little bit more. You've been very focused down on everything children need and maybe it's just turning that a little bit and also focusing up and talking about honour and respect and all of those growth areas that are important for kids as well. Uh, and then maybe it's impressing stuff on your children, <laughs> taking the opportunity to talk to your kids about Jesus and what he means or about some of the stuff that you're doing or just your values, why you value these things, why these things are important to you. I know it's not easy. <laughs> it's a tough uh, gig being a parent, probably much harder today than it was uh, back in my day. But uh, these things are really important. They're biblical principles that we need to follow. Uh, just in finishing, just in case you think that Jesus was a bit anti-family or particularly a bit anti-kids, uh, just let me tell you one more story from Jesus just to show that this is not the case. Uh, 
When Jesus was ministering, he did lots of powerful stuff, big preaching, you know, healing people, delivering people from demons and all the rest, you know. But he constantly had this problem of, of mothers want, bringing their kids and, and wanting him to pray for them as though some sort of blessing from Jesus is going to make a difference uh, in their lives. So, you know, he's in the middle of preaching or he's in the middle of doing some wonderful healing or, and some mother will come along and say, hey, bless my kid, pray for my kid, you know. Well, the disciples thought this was uh, uh, not... They thought it was demeaning, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not part of the ministry of Jesus. Surely you can see there's more important things that Jesus has to do. And they were shooing the mothers away <laughs> with, their, with their kids. And, uh, and this is what it says. One day, children were brought to Jesus in the hope that he would lay hands on them and pray over them. The disciples shooed them off. But Jesus intervened. Let the children alone. Don't prevent them from coming to me. God's kingdom is made up of people like these. After laying hands on them, he left them. Do you hear what he's saying? <laughs> he's saying, like, there's a lot of stuff here, the important stuff that I'm doing, but you know the most important stuff of all? It's ministering to the people who are part of the kingdom. And these kids are perfect examples of what it's like. He thought kids were really important. He valued them hugely. He put aside other parts of his ministry so that he could invest in children. So it's not that he didn't like family. <laughs> it wasn't that, not that he wasn't committed to family. It's just that he saw God's priorities uh, that were, were the most important things of all. Let me pray, hang. Huh? Lord, I thank you for many good things that uh, we can do in families. As Alex sang before, we all feel a bit failures when it comes to family, Lord. You, you know that. Uh, we wished we could do more. We wish we were better. We were, wish we were better examples. We, we wish we, we could say more about you or influence our children more deeply or grandchildren more deeply, Lord. Uh, so you know our, our inadequacy, Lord. But you come to encourage us and to strengthen us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that, uh, that our kids actually will become the most important thing, not because we invest everything in them, Lord, but because we are seeking to teach them, Lord, about you, about what to value and what is important, Lord, that we invest in these things. There's so many people that want to invest in our kids, Lord, all those influences out there that are ready to grab them and try to teach them their values, Lord. Help us to invest well. Use us, Lord. We pray for our kids and our grandkids. Oh, Lord Jesus, we long that they might grow up. Lord, to be good citizens, yes, but to follow you as well. We long for this and we pray for this. And we thank you that we're not doing this by ourselves, that you are with us, helping us, and we have a church family as well. So we praise you for this. Use us, we pray, Lord Jesus. Bless our families, we ask in your name. Amen.